Welcome, Star Jammers and Star Jams, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. Wouldn't it be like Star Jammers and Star Jamettes? I didn't want to go there. That seems inappropriate. Because like a Star Jammer is is both sexes. Hmm, good point. How about Star Jammers and Star Jammies? You got the Jammer and you got the Jammy. Uh, yeah, I, I like Star Jams with a Z. Star Jams. Okay, all right, well. I mean, jammies is another thing. I, 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 I could see that. That works. No, but jams, I, I think you're right. You should just stick with the star jams. <laughs> My name's Jeremy. And we're here to discuss, uh, it's one of those things where we're doing a bunch. We're going to start out with Secret Wars 2, number 7, to pick up where we left off with, uh, where, where Secret Wars left off. It's very exciting. It's X-Men all over the place. There's like a whole panel of X-Men juggernaut in this one and and like four panels of juggernaut yeah this is this is the bad guy one everybody so if you've been wondering like what have the bad guys been doing while the good guys are tackling the beyonder well this is the issue that answers that question do you think there was somebody out there what have the bad guys been doing <laughs> well i think um uh jim shooter thought there were he was just like i should write an issue about what the bad guys are doing i think so and uh, and we get it in the form of charge of the dark brigade, which oh yeah, that's that's the opposite of charge of the yeah light brigade. Uh, and this issue, I mean, starts out kind of clunky with that title and never really gets any better. There are things that I like a lot about this issue. I guess my chief problem with this issue is that I really don't care about the villains. Uh, and it really appears that as Jim Shooter writes this, neither does he. <laughs> it, it feels like this was a, a spinoff of the last issue where he was like, hmm, I should, I should write more about that whole Mephisto angle. See, this to me seemed like, uh, do you know how like, um, in modern, uh, uh, cycles, uh, you'll get like the side story, like Civil War had its whatever it had. And then, um. Uh, House of M, they had like a like a parallel series that was maybe um, lesser known talent uh, or kind of more behind the scenes as to what was happening during the, that those uh, uh, major events. To me, this issue feels like it's not um, Secret Wars two number seven, but more it's Secret Wars two six point five. <laughs> like it feels like it belongs in between uh, six and seven. I would argue that the whole series has been like that. So far, <laughs> well, and that like uh, the Marvel universe where the issues are actually like in the issues are actually the meat of the story. Maybe, maybe with the exception of issue one, but this has kind of been kind of a, a, a side sort of thing. Here's what's going on with the Beyonder this month. <laughs> well, right, but I mean, as I've pointed out, like I, I really liked the last issue, uh, which you referenced, where the Beyonder kills death. And we go through all of those motions. We get to see all of those uh, those entities all in uh, in one issue. I also like the Boom Boom issue because we get a lot of um, uh, background story with her. And that whole kind of story seemed kind of intriguing. None of them have been outright bad. I mean, I've, I've actually enjoyed all of them. It's just a weird limited series. I would say. I'm going to say that this one's been bad. And the Dazzler one I thought was bad. I enjoyed the Dazzler one and I enjoyed parts of this one. <laughs> so basically what we got going on here is Mephisto's kind of lamenting the fact that his beloved death almost died. And he has concocted this plan uh, to use the Beyonder's Bane, which is 
some weapon to destroy the Beyonder, but it can only be used at like a certain time. Yeah, well, uh, the Beyonder, when the Beyonder used his power to either kill or resurrect death, I forget which, Mephisto siphoned some of his powers into uh, what eventually became this Beyonder's Bane, which is a giant machine. And um, because the Beyonder's powers are so uh, dangerous, he this uh, eventually they're going to destroy the Beyonder's Bane because they cannot be contained. So he has a finite amount of time that he can use them in uh, by by and, and this is the part that is really stupid. He's going to re-put them back into the Beyonder with the hopes that that extra bit of power will throw the Beyonder off, so that the bad guys will be able to kill him in that moment of time. And he even says, "I don't know if this is going to work, but I got to do something." <laughs> right. And yeah. So meanwhile, the Beyonder, after I guess killing death and and uh, uh destructing his little fortress of goodness has uh, retreated to a tiny pacific island where now he waits and thinks um and this is the part that i like about this issue yeah it's kind all of... the stuff that forms around him thinking is is uh Straight in line with everything else that we've seen in it, Secret it, Wars, it's very, uh, it's very Forrest Gumpy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. I, you know what? That's that's brilliant. <laughs> Secret Wars Two is the Forrest Gump of the Marvel Universe, <laughs> right? And in this case, the Beyonder is thinking, and people begin to show up, and they're like, "What's he doing?" And somebody's like, "He's thinking," and they're like, "Well, we should think too." And then a whole group of people come from all around the world to come think with the Beyonder, which is, I guess, kind of a neat idea. Um, but in addition to all of that, we also have some emotional trauma from the thing. Uh, and we also get a little bit of backstory as to what happened after Secret Wars 1. Remember he was able to change to Ben Grimm at will? Yes. Well, apparently, that was an ability that was limited to just the Beyonder planet. And uh, he hung out Wait. there for a while, I guess. He says that, yeah, they, that that is uh, that is true. That's why he stayed on the Beyonder planet. But I guess I guess he lost the ability. And then he was like, well, why should I bother being here if I no longer can be human? All right. So he comes back to Earth. He's getting ready to pick up the pieces of his life when he realizes that his beloved Alicia... Masters has been wooed by Johnny, his best friend, his buddy, his compatriot. So, That's low. Yeah, in a fit of rage, he became a wrestler and he did some motorcycling and uh, he got into a wrestling ring with the Beyonder and he uh, almost killed the Beyonder because he blames the Beyonder for all this bad stuff that has um, come across him. But he didn't kill him and he wishes he did. So this is sort of a rewriting of what actually happened from this issue for the purposes of Secret Wars 7. Um, in the issue, the thing was about to kill the Beyonder, I think because the Beyonder was going to let him, um, which is a common theme in the outside issue. Like in the non-Secret Wars issues, the Beyonder is always letting people have enough power to kill him. Right, right, it is. Um, and he's about to, the thing is about to uh, do the deed when um, the uh, the lady lady thing, well, she's not lady thing yet. Alicia but, Masters? No, no, no. Oh, the, Sharon uh, uh, Freelander. Yeah, she shows up and she's like a big fan of the thing and she's in the audience and um, she's like, whoa, this doesn't seem like the thing. And somebody points out that she's there to the thing and he's like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not. This isn't me. And, you know, it's a nice moment. But uh, this seems to pretend like that last bit 
doesn't really happen where he's just like, ah, I should have done it. Yeah. Conveniently, that's been left out for the sake of the plot of this issue. So, uh, yeah, this, and then of course this kind of picks up with a bunch of people showing up, uh, to think with the Beyonder, a bunch of people, you got punks, you got business people, you got hippies, you got all sorts of people thinking with the Beyonder and uh, a dude here who, who has a, it kind of looks like Count Dracula. Uh, I'm going to guess it's Mephisto. He starts making some deals with the juggernaut an Electro. I don't know who this guy is. Well, it's not Mephisto because he talks to Mephisto. But... Oh, you're right. I think it's it's his like it's his his business associate, his yeah, deal he's like maker, some sort of minion of yeah. Mephisto. Uh, uh, Baron Mordo. Baron Mordo. Uh, uh, but absorbing man Titania. Remember Titania? Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, from Secret Wars one, and then a host of others, and like it doesn't matter. And so apparently Mephisto and Death they hang out on like some slag watching TV on slag TVs, <laughs> and they're just watching Earth weather for some reason. And uh, there's news reports about uh, the Beyonder, this guru, and that's uh, making Mephisto angry. So the deal is, this guy shaking everybody's hands is marking them as some sort of agent of uh, Mephisto. And I guess they're going to be unable to resist fighting the Beyonder when the time comes. And it's likely that the feedback from Beyonder's Bane is going to destroy the Earth and all of the villains with it, including Mephisto. But Mephisto feels like that's worth it. Is it going to kill Mephisto too? I think so. I can't really tell. I mean, he says it's going to destroy the Earth. So maybe... Is it, Mephisto will be off the Earth at the time? Well, Mephisto doesn't live on Earth, doesn't he? Just live like in his own realm or dimension or something? I I, I guess it's it says Mephisto's realm. I don't yeah. know what that means. So he says Earth too shall be destroyed, along with approximately a third of the universe. Uh, yeah. So Which, something to do with eternity. So eternity shows up, and I guess he's the one who's going to push the button for Beyonder's bane. And then, so I have. I don't know why. Yeah, I. I <laughs> have no idea what Eternity's role is now in the Marvel Universe. Like, he shows up and he's going to pull the lever for Mephisto for some reason. And he's, like, all bunched up in machinery and stuff. So, is yeah, he's got his hands on one lever and he's reaching for the other one. Eternity, with his power, there must be enough. Isn't it wonderful, beloved, Mephisto says, talking to death? Yeah. Eternity, Eternity panel's kind of neat. I like this. yeah. A picture of Eternity dressed up in Rob Liefeld-esque machines. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the he, there's 99 villains, and they are known as the Legion Accursed. Oh, yeah. And so, yes, more people gather around the Beyonder to think. Uh, meanwhile, in Denver, there's a game of Trivial Pursuit with uh, Owen Reese, Marsha, and their friends. Uh, but um, Owen Reese... Owen is- Reese detects something, and he has to leave... He goes into the other room and he's pretty upset. I like this panel. Um, I don't know why, but it, when the news broadcast says CBS has confirmed reports that this guru is the same person calling himself the Beyond or recently made headlines as a self-proclaimed champion of life. I like to imagine that Owen Reese, based on his expression, says, what? <laughs> I don't know why, but just the way his mouth is and the way he's got the exclamation uh, point and question mark. Yeah. So he's distracted. He's like, I got to clear my head. So he walks into the bedroom. Marsha follows him. And uh, Marsha discovers that Owen Reese is like in tune with the universe right now, trying to, uh, I don't know, detect what's going on. It's kind of a neat panel. She opens the door of their bedroom, presumably. Like, yeah, I guess it's just into the bedroom. And it's 
it opens up into space. Yep. And, and uh, he, uh, he's detecting that a bunch of major powers of the multiverse, except for him, are conspiring against the Beyonder. Can't quite tell what their plan is. They're being very clever. The Beyonder will never notice till it's too late. What should I do? Should I stop them? Or should I let it happen? He wants nothing really to do with this whole situation, but based on the level of power that he has, he keeps finding himself drawn in. Meanwhile, we get the X-Men and the New Mutants. They're all watching TV together. They see this whole guru thing, and Rachel's like, We know he's trouble, and now that we know where he is, let's go after him! He isn't doing nothing, Rachel. We, we should leave him alone, says Magneto. Self agrees with Magneto. Observe his inaction, says Warlock. Is that how Warlock talks? It, it's going to change every time. I don't know how he talks. Um, Spider-Man, he thinks that maybe he should uh, he should do some thinking. <laughs> For some reason, Spider-Man's here, but... You know, it's a it's a glance around the Marvel Universe, see what people are doing. A very small glance. It's the X-Men and Spider-Man, and that's well, it. And then the Thing, who, you know... Well, the Thing is a member of the... Well, whatever. He's uh, He's been working on a movie, by the way. Uh, and so he's now kind of on a break. He's watching the TV. He sees this whole guru thing. He's like, I want to kill him. And now I know where he is. Oh, yeah. He's been working on a movie on an island that's only 115 miles away from where the Beyonder is thinking. So he's, so he's, he's pretty close. He's going to crush a rock and head over there. Meanwhile, all of the villains are here. Uh, I can see Emma Frost. Doctor, Why is Emma Frost there? She's a villain. Yeah, but I don't know. Because Jim Seems... Shooter thinks in black and white terms only. <laughs> Emma Frost is not in the same league as Electro, Rhino, Dr. Octopus, Absorbing Man, uh, and some of these other people that I can't quite make it. Uh, Craven, <laughs> the hunter. Uh, Silver, Silver Samurai. Samurai's back there. Um, yeah. That's about all I can make out. And then, of course, I, Dr. Doom in the front. Sebastian Shaw should be here. <laughs> Maybe he is. There's 99 of the bad guys. Hobgoblin. I think I see Hobgoblin back there. Either that or Green Goblin, one of the two. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so there's a there's a giant, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, hourglass. Hourglass, yep. Counting down the, the sands of time. I guess when it empties out will be their moment to strike. So... I guess the villains are, are making their way to the island uh, as well as the thing. And that's when the Beyonder is like, well, hmm, maybe it's time for me to leave after someone tells him that hundreds of people are showing up every hour to think with the Beyonder. It's getting kind of crowded. And Mephisto, who is watching this conversation, says, oh, I better, I better do something because we can't strike yet, but we, uh, we have to strike soon because when the hourglass goes out, we will have, if we don't strike by then... We won't have a chance. So he creates a diversion, which is to get in the head of the thing by being uh, his father, his coach, Sue Storm, and Alicia basically goading him into um, taking a a contract uh, for power to, um, I guess, stop the Beyonder guy. Settle, settle up, settle the score with the Beyonder. And then, yeah, the, the coach shows up at the end and with a contract and says, don't bother reading the fine print. All it says is that you have plenty of power, and it spells out a couple of minor speculations. And the thing is, yeah, yeah, who cares? There. So I guess uh, the thing just signed his soul over to uh, to to Mephisto. Yeah. Well, I guess That's this was unfortunate. This this contract is in the guy's. Uh, I guess I think this last guy is not his coach. It's his um, his manager, and the the contract here is to get 
another wrestling match going. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. But the it's thing his, is, his manager. Yeah. But the thing's like, I ain't waiting for a wrestling match. So he jumps off a cliff into the water and he starts swimming to that South Pacific Ocean uh, in which the Beyonder is. And he's already got his bonus power because he feels really good when he's, he's swimming across the ocean. He's like, yeah, I feel amazing. I'm, I'm really going to kick some butt. Yeah. This hundred and some mile swim don't seem like nothing for a guy who's made out of rock. I mean, he must be really strong to do that swim. Meanwhile, the guy, uh, the manager, uh, is not his manager at all, Adam. It's Mephisto. Can you believe it? What? <laughs> yeah. And this contract was for his soul. Yeah. Wow. The Mephisto wants it all. He can't just be settled with a diversion, but he also wants the thing's soul. Well, you know. He's been after the thing's soul for a while. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so Beyonder is getting ready to pack it up and take off when uh, the thing shows up and he's like wrecking boats and he's like, I'm coming for you, Beyonder. And they fight. Well, they don't really fight. The thing is punching and stuff, but the Beyonder doesn't really care or notice. And again, like you said, the Beyonder's like, um, I'm not going to fight. Yeah, he's he's kind of like, interesting. If if one such of you can have doubts about his role, then perhaps not so. T- it's not so terrible that I do. So this is giving the Beyonder pause for thought. And that's when the final grain of sand falls at the hourglass and all the villains attack. Legion accursed attack! And so they show up. Uh, I think maybe Mephisto teleports them in. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. And so they all show up and they're getting ready to attack and the thing's like, wait a minute, the bad guys want to beat them up and I want to beat them up. That don't make no sense. Should I help them or should I help the Beyonder? What do I do? And the Beyonder doesn't really care. And now Mephisto's like, "Uh oh, what's gonna what's gonna happen?" <laughs> like, yeah, if uh, if if the thing fights the villains and the Beyonder doesn't die, then I lose. Or if the Beyonder beams himself across the planet like he's planning to, then that screws up everything. Right, and Death doesn't care. And Death is just kind of waiting with skull eyes. Eternity continues to reach for the lever. The rest of the multiverse entities await. And uh, Owen Reese is having problems answering simple questions whose answer is Donald Duck. In Parcheesi. Uh, yes, he's very distracted. And so the thing is like, well, fine. And he decides that he's going to take on the villains. Uh, and with all of his newfound strength, he is uh, able to take off, uh, take take on all of these guys. Yep, he... Um... The flyers think they have an advantage because they can get over him, but he grabs the absorbing man who then turns into a thing-like surface. Uh, His skin turns into the thing-like surface, and he throws them at the flying guys, and Mephisto's like, No! (laughs) I didn't think of this. I ruined my own plan! So Mephisto's like, Well, in order for this to work, a villain has to get by to take on the Beyonder, but if the thing is allowed to remain with his powers, that can't happen. So do I take the thing's powers away by ripping up the contract, which means I lose access to his soul? <sighs> so he does. He rips it up. Uh, unbeknownst to the thing, he loses his powers. And the final villain that shows up is the Juggernaut. And all the Juggernaut has to do for Mephisto to win is touch the Beyonder. He doesn't even have to punch him. So he handily throws the thing aside who is not prepared because he thought he was stronger gets by reaches out to touch him but then the thing at the last second says when the going gets tough 
the tough gets going. If you think you can, you can. I will not be denied. He's got all these like, crazes ready. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, Mephisto's like, no. And right before the juggernaut can reach uh, the Beyonder, his hands fall inches short of him to the ground. And the Beyonder's just sitting there. And to, to Mephisto's, uh, well, the Beyonder's bane is melting down. So I guess it doesn't get to be used and the power goes back to the Beyonder and then the Beyonder's bane explodes and Eternity just walks away. Oh, well. <laughs> then this last part gets kind of confusing. Like, I guess the machine melts and then, like, these people that are saying how comforting, are these, like, Mephisto's souls? Or are these people on the island? Or uh, Yeah, because oh, Mephisto okay. is not concentrating on torturing them at the moment. Um they're they're okay. Yeah, okay. So they're tortured souls that are now given a moment's reprieve and eternity walks away. The multiverse entities are like, eh, whatever. They go back to their own business. And Owen Reese is like, well, I wish he'd go away, but he's not. But um, I'm ready for another game. <laughs> I sure hope I don't have to get involved. <laughs> yes. And the thing is like, all right, now it's time for our rematch, Beyonder. But then he falls asleep, passes out. Take me out, coach. And that's when the Beyonder finally figures out, or he thinks he figures out what his purpose is. And his purpose is to help other people, such as the thing, figure out uh, what their existence are mean like what their what their true roles are what their meaning is and uh, I guess he feels like he helped the thing learn that his true meaning was to be a hero. Yep, and there you have it. So I would imagine that the this month's series of X Men comics will all be about uh, the Beyonder trying to help people find their purpose. Well, let's let's find out. Our next issue is right in line with that. It's New Mutants number 36 and it is a Circuit Wars 2 tie-in where in fact the Beyonder does try to help somebody figure out their meaning. I guess. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little baffled by this issue. Uh, yeah, yeah, this was hard. This one was kind of hard to follow. It is New Mutants number thirty-six. It is called Subway to Salvation. Um, Mary Wilshire and Bill Sinkevich are on the arting, which is interesting because it's inked like Bill Sinkevich, but it's not drawn like Bill Sinkevich. But, it's Claremont's writing. Yep. We know him. I've heard of that guy. Yeah, and so you know, Magneto's pushing the students hard. Sunspot's not happy with it. I don't know. I feel like, like this is uh, supposed to be, or maybe not supposed to be, but it's kind of similar to uh, Colossus when Colossus was trying to get that extra moment and, and uh, what happened, wouldn't Wolverine walk underneath with him so that he had to push his, his weights up a little bit higher so that if, if he didn't, Colossus and Wolverine would get crushed? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Magneto's just pushing Sunspot hard for some reason, and Sunspot's mad, and he's all upset about his girlfriend who left him because he's a mutant magneto knows that uh sunspot can handle the load and so he pushes him to his limits but then sunspot makes the argument that i don't really want to be a hero or an x-man or anything like that this is dumb yeah he he just wants to learn how to control and cope his with his powers he doesn't need to be an x-man right but uh we don't care about the new mutants at least i don't care about the new mutants that much you learn that the danger room has a uh cleanup uh setting yeah but magneto's like i don't need that i'm the master of magnetism <laughs> kitty is at the library and she's doing some studying and uh 
Yeah. She's phasing through some items at the library, but she's like, ooh, I shouldn't do that. I don't want people to see me. Ilyana, she's on a train heading, I guess, towards Kitty, um, I think with some lunch. Oh, also, Kitty is studying up on some Norse mythology due to their recent time in Asgard. Nice little tie in there. Yeah, she, she's she's into it. Ilyana's on the way uh, with, with lunch and maybe some more. It's, it's a Bloomingdale's bag. Yeah, it she is. Lost, she lost track in Bloomingdale's. There's no lunch here. You're right, you're right. And she says Unless they're going to eat the food or eat the, uh, not the food, the, the clothes. I can't help it blooming at Bloomingdale's. I lose all track of time. I like to shop. That's when the, <laughs> well, tra- it's not that blatantly horrible, but <laughs> it's pretty close. The train is suddenly stopped and the Beyonder shows up and he's like, Hey, I know you. You're Ilana. Ilana, we met. Remember? I've been hoping we'd meet again. Ilana's like, well, yeah, but I don't like you. We got to fight. Well, last time they met, the Beyonder uh, pulled the was the the demon spawn. Oh yes, tr- yes. Out of her, and uh, I think potentially for the first time, revealing that side of her to everybody. Right, and then somehow uh, she lost her magic armor, and Kitty got her magic armor temporarily. Right. So uh, Ileana jumps in, and she's a she. Pulls out her soul sword, which she knows the embodiment of all of her power or persona, something like that. And she's the ultimate expression of her arcane might. I feel like they say that twice in this issue. I'm pretty sure they do. <laughs> and she swings it through the Beyonder, but since he's not magical or of this realm or whatever, it does nothing. It doesn't hurt her or hurt him at all. And he's kind of like, why are you doing this? I came here to do some good for you. And he pulls, well, he turn, it looks like he turns her into a, a, the demon again. He pulls the uh, demon out of her and she even's like, Ugh, not again. But then he, he like, he totally pulls it out of her so that she can't, she's normal. She's a normal person now. Yes. Well, I mean, except for she still has control over magic. And as such, she takes the subway car into the, the the air and flies it away, which was confusing until you get to the end of the issue. Um, I wasn't sure what was going on, but not having read this all the way through, I get it now. Oh, well, I hope I get it by the time we get to the end of the issue. So I just didn't understand why was this subway car flying away. Oh, okay. But it's because uh, Ileana's controlling it. Honestly, I thought it was the Beyonder, and then I just didn't think about it anymore. <laughs> Like Beyonder's doing something. That's why the train's flying everywhere. So yes, the train car flies out of the uh, the subway car flies out of the ground, and uh, it it's flying away. Kitty back at the library notices that the Ileana Soul Sword is now on the uh, desk where she's reading, which causes her to jump back from her chair. She phases through her chair. In fact, she grabs the sword and she's got her eldritch armor. Um, Maybe this is where she says it's the the essence of her whatever. <laughs> Something like that. And around her neck is the Beatrix medallion given to Ilyana by her uh, demon lord mentor, Belasco. Yeah, it's the, the medallion with the bloodstones in it. Mm-hmm. And so she's got the she's got the armor on, she's got the soul sword, and that's when the librarian comes up and she, he's like, you can't have this weapon in a library. <laughs> and so she takes off, she heads to, I think, I don't know, bathroom or another room. 
and a giant demon is there waiting for her. And oh, he, boy. And he's all inky black and ugly, and she phases through while this demon is, like, attacking some, some library patrons. And she's like, well, I know that this sword uh, defeats magical creatures, so here I go. I'm going to oh, face... The sword's the ultimate expression of Oyana's arcane might. Yes, there it is. She, she also says, where's a Ghostbuster when you really need one? That Referring to the classic scene in Ghostbusters in the library. I had to pause there for a minute. I was like, did this issue come out around Ghostbusters time? And it, clearly it must have. <laughs> Ghostbusters was 1984. Okay. Or 85. And this issue was, well, obviously after that. This issue was 1986. So this is well after Ghostbusters. Yeah, man. Okay. Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters. I just didn't know if they were referring to the live-action TV series of the same name that had a uh, man in a gorilla suit. The Wasn't that from the 60s? Yeah, it was like a Sid and Marty Croft, but, but they were the first show with the name Ghostbusters, the first property with the name Ghostbusters. And that's where the animated spinoff came from. Right, which is why the real Ghostbusters had to be named the real Ghostbusters. We are so schooling the fans right now. <laughs> no, we're not. The fans are like, yes, we know. Move on. <laughs> next, they're going to here to listen to X Men, not Ghostbusters. Next, they're going to talk about the Bill Murray uh, Garfield connection. Nobody cares. <laughs> Move on. All right, fine. Anyways, <laughs> uh, uh, Kitty does use the Soul Sword to slice uh, open the monster, and it does take care of it. But there are more demons that show up. Ugly brought friends. Help! And that's when we cut we back to the mansion where. Cannonball is getting out of the pool. The new mutants are all uh, swimming or putting on suntan lotion. There's Warlock a, is a submarine in the underneath, and he's going ping, ping, ping. That's kind of funny. Um, but uh, Cannonball says, too much sun tomorrow. And uh, uh, Shan says, the silly girl is as red as Danny. <laughs> Which, isn't that kind of racist? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's certainly insensitive. Right. This should ease the pain, and she's rubbing uh, Amara's back with the suntan lotion. I just thought that that was a weird alliteration. She could have just been like, yeah, she's real sunburnt, not, she's as red as the engine. Yeah, well, it's the 80s, and they're not quite as... Um... <laughs> it wasn't racist back then. Well, it's not that it's, you know, it's just like... <laughs> It was more acceptable. It, it wasn't any less racist. It was just that's true. The norm. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Doesn't make it any better. There it's was just there was no Redskins controversy at this time. Right. <laughs> right. Well, anyways, yeah, uh, more demons appear here and uh, attack the New Mutants, who fight. They sure do fight the demons. Um, Cannonball goes up into the sky where there happens to be a subway car. Ilyana uh, is driving it i guess or flying it or whatever and she says take my hand dear friend let me teach you what i have learned and and she does and now sam also is so what's oh boy so this is where it gets weird um i don't know where chris claremont decided to go on this little plot but somehow the beyonder is making people into cultists <laughs> I don't know. It seems as though the Beyonder has given Ilyana and Sam like inner peace uh, or, yeah. or power, maybe. I'm not sure which, but they're both like, come into the train. The train is good. The train is happy. <laughs> yes. And the New Mutants are like, um, this is weird. We don't want to go on the train. 
And that's when they're like, you got to come in the train. And uh, the monsters are okay. They're not going to, we don't, we don't need to worry about the monsters. Yeah. And I never, I guess I never really quite understood what the monsters had to do with all of this. Is this just because uh, the Beyonder took away Ileana's ability to be the uh, sorceress supreme of limbo? <laughs> and now these demons are free to do whatever they want or. Yes. Oh, okay. It is exactly that. It is uh, I, the precursor to that story that <laughs> will happen in a couple years. Inferno. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This is probably where Chris Claremont got the first got the idea. It was like, well, what happens if Ileana's no longer in control? Hmm. I bet the monsters will want to take over. <laughs> Maybe. Just like Cthulhu. So, yeah. So there's some interesting panels of Ileana ripping Warlock towards the uh, train car. Uh, demons attacking the New Mutants. I don't know. Finally, a demon shows up and uh, it's got Ileana's locket thing, the Beatrix thing. And also next to the Beatrix is Kitty hung by her hands. Yes. And the demon is going to uh, steal Kitty's life soul to create one more bloodstone. I guess there's three so far. It'll This will create a fourth one. And that will allow the gateway to be open so that the monsters can come out. Right. I thought there was supposed to be five bloodstones, though. What does the fifth one do? Oh, my God. You don't even want to know. I don't. <laughs> Uh, hmm. yep. So the demon. So, so this is where Ileana realizes, oh no, I'm my best friend, but I, I kind of don't care because like I feel so good now without my powers, but I gotta really help Kitty and save the universe or save the world. And so she reclaims the um devil child, demon it's called demon child, demon, dark child. And this is uh this is where the Beyonder has done what he set out to do, which is get her to realize what her purpose is. Aha. Uh-huh. So yes, she she actually her her dark child persona is pretty cool, man. It's like a red suit with a spiky belt and like a like a spiky shoulder and a bunch of straps and stuff. It's neat. She pulls out her soul sword, she takes on the demons and she's like, "We win. Yay." Great. Hooray for us. We saved the world and the universe. The armor has like one covering for her right breast, which I believe is like an allusion to like the Amazon warriors that used to chop off their other breast, I guess, to have better armor shots or something like that or arrow shoot shooting or something like that. I, I don't think that was a true story, but I know that's in a lot of movies. Oh, it's like a thing. Okay. Amazon warriors only have one breast so that they can fight better. Pretty sure Wonder Woman has two breasts. Well, yeah, but these are like, that, that's different sort of Amazon. Those oh. are Wonder Woman Amazons. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, yeah. None of these are real. <laughs> oh, really? Wait a minute. So there, uh, she she sacrifices ultimate happiness to save her friend and to, I guess, realize her purpose. She cradles her best friend in her hands. Um, she feels really guilty kind of about choosing the, the wonderfulness that she was offered, which I guess is still kind of a mystery to us, over her friend, but ultimately persevering. And Kitty's like, bah, you're fine. You did well. Don't worry about it. Don't I- hate me for what happened. I never realized you'd be cast as a guardian. I'd never hurt you. And then Kitty says, I'm fine. You did real good. I wasn't worried at all. I knew you'd save the day. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So, so the the, uh, the Beyonder goes on to help out Spider-Man and Puma. Yeah, don't care. <laughs> <laughs> 
What else you got there, Adam? Well, I read um, I read Alpha Flight number thirty, which bears no relevance to us. Uh, Alpha Flight is now being officially sanctioned by the Canadian government. That was my only takeaway. Oh, okay. Um, Defenders 151, the Defenders return to their headquarters after being in space, and they find the manslaughter is back. Um, I don't know if you remember him. He was kind of a pretty lame villain. He uh, He's waiting for them, and he wants to join their team and to show them he's worthy. He sets a bunch of traps and shenanigans. Um, he dresses up uh, Candy Southern in some ridiculous outfit, straps her to a bed. It's very strange. Um they kind of get the upper hand on him, but then he sets the house on fire, so they don't really have the upper hand. Uh, a large man named Interloper, uh, who in the past couple of issues has been walking towards their house from, I think he started in Russia. I can't quite remember. He stops Manslaughter and says the defenders really need to let Manslaughter join the team because Moondragon is returning for revenge. And then Moondragon shows up and says, Defenders, it is time to die. Well, this is the penultimate issue. Next issue, double-sized, Secret Wars crossover, last issue. Huh? What? Uh, all of that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, Captain Britain, number 13. This one was kind of important. Uh, so we get like this montage of Betsy Braddock training as Captain Britain uh, with Captain UK. And um, we also she's getting in 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 between those panels she's getting the crap beaten out of her by un, unseen villains and then at some point Captain UK has to leave and uh, she goes on a solo mission where she encounters Vixen and Slaymaster and Slaymaster stabs her in the back of the head and then she is beaten horribly and blinded. Wow. So she sends out a psychic cry to Brian Braddock, who is hanging out with Megan in some sort of tower, and he immediately flies away because I guess he still has Captain Britain's power, even though he doesn't use the outfit. And he bashes Slaymaster's skull, and he grabs a giant rock. And at the last second, he's looking down, and he's like, "I can't do it." And then Slaymaster says, "You can't do it." And then he smashes his head in with a giant rock. And then he uh, picks up Betsy and takes her back to the mansion and has the robot mansion thing says try to fix her up and then he leaves and he, t- he goes back to megan and tells her that i am captain britain i can't help it so that's how betsy lose lost her her eyesight wait what how did betsy, she 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 slay master slay master stabbed her in the back of the head blinded her oh okay so it's not like he stabbed her eyes out no he didn't stab her eyes out okay um but whacked he, he her in st- the back he, of the head and now she's blind he stabbed her in the brain oh he stabbed her in the brain yeah so she's got like a stab wound in the back of her head um yeah yeah okay uh presumably in her brain the 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 point is that she was she was beaten badly and she is now blind okay good to know good (laughs) good good to know tell me about dazzler (sighs) well uh it's the second to last issue yeah this was the second to last issue of captain britain as well wow bunch of things are changing in the marvel u Yay. It almost seemed as though, uh, let's see, Archie Goodwin was getting ready to start kind of a new arc for the Dazzler. Uh, but by the time the issue got to the end, he realized that this was going to go nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but really, so so two of the bikers that we met in the last issue, which was a uh, Secret Wars 2, two um, crossover, apparently belonged to this cult um 
which was run by two super powered people who have been around forever. Uh, one of the guys has the ability to um, um, cast himself into new bodies, uh, which is why he's been able to live for so long. And um, the woman, I can't remember what his wife what her power was but they'd been working on like some genetic research like way back in the 60s or something and they were really on the verge of a breakthrough and the government pulled their 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 funding because people were dying and uh they they uh didn't want to give up their their research and they couldn't find any funding so they started kind of uh um, doing their research on their own with using questionable um, practices but uh, they had um, placed, I don't know if it's a drug or a genome or a DNA strand or something like that, into a bunch of people, uh, or, or the, the children of a bunch of people, I should say. Uh, so now they're kind of tracking down all of these people because they uh, have discovered that in the people that they had experimented on eventually just died uh, and, and did not develop superpowers. But their offspring or their children had whatever right mixed to have powers exploited through them uh, so that they weren't born with powers, but given the right dose of whatever their stuff was, they could uh, bring power out of them. So they were tracking all these people down. And uh, one of those biker guys was one of those people that had this power. So kind of a neat, like, retro fit of the last story. Um, that sounds complicated. It is. It's, like, very kind. That's why I'm reading this going, like, oh, okay, he, he, he wants to start, like, a whole new arc of things happening. Um, but it, it goes nowhere. <laughs> um, so a lot of thought went into this issue. So there's a whole bunch of people kind of on this cult uh, uh, grounds. And um, they also discover that, um, you know, they don't have the technology to bring about these powers. Um, but the light that Dazzler casts does actually radiate the right light to um, bring out these powers. So what their plot is, is to find Dazzler and to harness her powers um, to to create, I guess, a legion of superpowered young people to do their bidding. Super Dazzlers! Yeah. And so uh, Dazzler and OZ Chase are they kind of in cahoots, even though OZ is trying to bring her in for the bounty because they're trying to get a little bit more information about the bikers. But uh, they keep coming up on dead ends. And eventually OZ is like, look, I've played this game enough. It's time to take you in. So he takes her to the airport uh, uh, where he's going to turn her in. And uh, that's when her father shows up, Carter Blair. Remember him? Judge Carter yeah. Blair. They're mm -hmm. kind of estranged a while back because he couldn't tolerate her mutant lifestyle. Well, it seems as though he's calmed down and he's made some calls and, and pulled some strings and, and everything's taken care of. Nothing to worry about. It's like a clean okay. slate for Dazzler. And that sucks for OZ Chase. OZ's like, well, what the hell? Like, I don't get paid. I don't, like, what What about the people that hired me? And Judge Carter's like, well, they they apparently were unauthorized to do what they were doing, and they have uh, disappeared. They don't exist anymore. They're gone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's very, any, like, pull, court records are pulled, and OZ's like, huh, looks like everything's on the up and up. This is weird. I got to look into this. So Carter and Dazzler, they take off. Carter's like, yeah, well, let's let's pick up the pieces of our life. And so uh, off they off they go. And uh, OZ, meanwhile, he's like, something doesn't add up. So he he follows the trail. He goes to where Carter Blair had originally checked in. And they say that Carter never left his room. So he goes up to the room and he sees 
a skeleton wearing Carter's um, bathrobe. Where did that skeleton get Carter's bathrobe? I don't know, but the skeleton clearly stole Carter's bathrobe after Carter escaped out the window so that the lobby wouldn't know that he left. (laughs) Or... Carter is actually this guy that can jump from body to body. Mm. Mm-hmm. So this dude killed Dazzler's father, and uh, um, and Dazzler figures it out. He's like, um, I have a question for you. Like, you look like my dad. You sound like my dad. But my dad's never called me Allie or something like Allie, right? Uh, so I know you're trying to turn a new corner. He was, but this is way too much, way too fast. And he's like, okay, yep, stop the car. It looks like we're about to fight. Let's do this thing. <laughs> so he's very polite about this whole thing. So it's very, everybody's taking things very casually. It is very casual. OZ, he, he's like, oh, I'm done with this whole thing. I made some phone calls. Everything checks out. I guess this is all a dead end. Come on, Cerebus. We're on our way out. Have a cigar. Cerebus won't eat the cigar like he normally would. And he's like, oh, you want to go help the girl? I hate you. (laughs) So they take off to go help Dazzler. Dazzler and this guy, his name I can't remember, they fight. And uh, as Dazzler, like, um, shoots him with light, it just makes him more powerful. And so eventually, actually, somehow she irradiates one of the guys with this DNA and he becomes very strong telekinetically. So he lifts like a giant rock uh, and he's about ready to drop it on Dazzler. But the guy's like, no, you can't. We need her. And you don't know how to use your powers. So Dazzler uses all of the power she has at her disposal to split the rock in half, which falls all around her. uh, And I don't remember if it's the rocks or the use of the power, but the super-powered person that they created, he dies, I guess. Maybe he passes out. I don't know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so they're going to about to fight again, and this guy's like, yeah, use your... He's like, he's fallen to dust, and he's like trying to uh, convince her, like, well, your dad was trying to turn a corner. Like, I'm the last semblance of him. I'm his voice. There's a little bit of his personality rolling around in here. If you want to save your father, all you need to do is hit me with a little bit of your light so that I can I can I can continue being your father and she's like, "No, you're not my dad." So she she drains all of her power out of her by shooting in the opposite direction uh, and he he's like, "Oh, you'll never see your father again, but I have bad news for you. We have your mother." And he's about ready to uh jump from his body into Dazzler's body to take it over when OZ Chase shows up and shoots him in the neck. Oh. Yeah. So he's on the ground now, withering away to dust, and he's like, we got your mom at our camp, and you better try to save her and give your will to us. (laughs) And so Dazzler jumps into a car. um, The Dazzler Mobile? The Dazzler Mobile. And she's like, you leave me alone, OZ. Don't follow me. I got to take care of this. And she heads back, and the wife, who's name i can't remember she's in there like she's ready for this and uh the next issue says farewell or dazzler's farewell performance curtain so whose wife the uh the bad dude i can't i don't remember his name okay so not (laughs) not dazzler's mother uh the 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 wife supposedly has dazzler's mother but this is not dazzler's mother gotcha but we don't see Dazzler's mother in this panel anywhere, so it could just be a lie. What? One thing I can tell you is that in the next issue, Beast will be there. Oh. Yeah. So it'll be like Beauty and the Beast again? I 
think, you know, I was as I was thinking about it, I was like, maybe they're just trying to close off all these chapters. And one chapter they felt necessary to close off was the whole Beauty and the Beast love angle. I see that Paul Chadwick is the penciler. Do you know who he is? No. He did. Do you remember Dark Horse's Concrete? Yes. I think he created and drew that. I never read Concrete. I was just aware of Concrete's existence. Yep, Concrete. So like... Mike Mignola is doing Alpha Flight. Paul Chadwick is doing uh, whatever you just did. Dazzler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All these up and coming people. So isn't, is Dark Horse a thing right now or is it getting ready to be a thing any minute? I don't know. I don't really I remember. F- might be a thing. It's definitely probably, early. Probably not. I don't know. It's definitely early to mid 80s. Heck, it could have even been like, I mean, what <laughs> feels like one of their earlier first franchises was like uh, one of the Alien spinoffs. I'm going to guess uh, the, the Alien series was one of the first ones only because it was in black and white. Yeah. Was that done because they couldn't afford color or was that more of a stylistic approach? I think it was because, well, I, honestly, I don't know. But their second, their follow up to it was in color. So I would imagine that it was just because they couldn't afford it or or maybe not that they couldn't afford it, but just it was just more cost effective. So I don't know. Uh, I bet you you're right. I bet you it was more cost effective and they played it off like, nope, this is a stylistic choice. Black and white's scarier. I feel like Dark Horse Presents was one of their first things as well. Dark Horse Presents was in black and white. Yeah, I think it was initially. Yeah, maybe Dark Horse Presents was the first book and then out came some of those licensed things. And the Dark Horse Presents is still published to this day. Is it published monthly or is it like whenever it feels like it? I don't think it's, it might be monthly. I don't know. I picked up a couple of issues because they had grew in them. Oh. And um, it's all, it's all full color now. It's, it, and, and it's like double sized every issue. Oh. Because I feel like, uh, not that this really has anything to do with Dark Horse, but I feel like Savage Dragon is still published, but just whenever Eric Larson feels like doing an issue. I don't know. I, I know they, they definitely hit some high numbers. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So if you'd like to get in contact with us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach us at www.xmenpodcast.com facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast follow us at danger room go visit us or i'm sorry email us danger room at redcapproductions.com go out to itunes and search up danger room in the podcast section we're the first one that'll show up give us uh, uh, some stars or leave us a written feedback uh, or call us 501 get x-men 501-438-9636 And uh, just as always, our theme music this week is provided by Laszlo Hollyfeld. So, yeah. Until next time, my name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the Danger Room is closed. (laughs) 